Yes, sir. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I am here. Okay, uh, glad to see it. Thank you for joining the outlet. Why is this so dark in there? Because <laughs> I like things dark. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to come in here, let me turn the light on. Got my wife in there talking, making so much noise in there. And we need all that background noise. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Is that enough light for you now? Uh, yes, Put sir. Light on. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> ah, I'm sitting in my living room. <laughs> so how are you doing this pandemic? <laughs> I am doing well, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Taking all the precautions I need. <laughs> Well, that's what we all should do. We could we could get this thing under wraps if we were to take all the precautions. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get to it then. Let's get to it, sir. All right. So first, I'm gonna get to know you a little bit before um we get started, you know. Um Okay. Where did you grow up at? I actually grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That's where I grew up. Mm, okay. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So how long have you been in Birmingham? Well, I've been in Birmingham now for 40 years. I came here in 1980 to go to college. Okay, okay. I started um, UAB August the 29th, 1980. That's when I started. That's when I moved here, August of 29, 1980, and I've been here since then, here in Birmingham. Okay. And how did you get interested in technology? Well, as a, as a youngster, I have always been curious as to how things work. I can always recall when I used to get electronic toys. I would always 
to open them up to try to find out how they work. So I went to school in Talladega, Alabama. It's the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. I went to, to the blind school. Um, I am totally blind, but I wasn't born blind. I was born able to see, and then in the third grade, um, while I was a youngster living in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I started having vision problems. And to make a long story short, I used to travel to here in Birmingham to the ophthalmologist where I had a lot of surgeries and so on and so forth. And uh, those surgeries did not uh, work. So the last surgery I had, they flew my mother and I to St. Louis, Missouri, where there was a doctor at that time, um, had come up with a new technique for the eye condition that I had. So um, we flew there, had the surgery, and it seemed at that time to be a, be a success. So when I got back home, um, uh, after a period of time, with coming up here to Birmingham to visit my doctor, the last visit my that I had, they told me that uh, my retinas had torn loose again. They had detached again, and they couldn't do anything else for me. And so they told me that I would eventually lose all my sight. So my parents went back home to Tuscaloosa, and they somehow or another the school um, connected them with an association called Vocational Rehabilitation Services, and these people they were going to um, let me stay in public school using large print books, but um, they said that I would eventually have to learn Braille because I would, you know, was going to lose all my sight. So my parents made the decision to uh, send me to the school for the blind in Talladega. So I stayed out having surgeries on my eyes for, I guess, for about two years before I eventually ended up in Talladega, Alabama. And so while they're my junior year, well, my junior senior year, because when I went there in the third grade, I still could see. And I could see for about one year. And over that one, over that year's time, I gradually lost all my sight. And so they held me back in the third grade to learn Braille. And so I always tell people, I really didn't have a senior year. So when I made it to the 11th grade, and in order for me to get a year back, I took 11th grade and 12th grade subjects in the 11th grade. So I doubled up two grades in order to get out. <laughs> and so during my junior slash senior year, um, they had uh, career day over at Talladega College. And so I, along with another young lady, we went over and, you know, they had various seminars going on about different things. and so. We sat in on a seminar talking about computers. And so the uh, lecturer was telling everybody about, you know, computers were going to be the wave of the future and you could make a lot of money. And I just decided right then, hey, this is what I'm going to do because he says you can make a lot of money. That's all I need to hear, a lot of money. Now, mind you, here I am totally blind, really didn't know about any technology that would allow me to work on computers, but I, you know, made up my mind that's what I was going to do. And really, I, I, I was kind of toying between 
uh, going into computers as well as being a lawyer because I ended up getting a BS degree in computer science and a minor in criminal justice. I was thinking about becoming a lawyer, but I just love technology so much. And so that's, that is really what made me decide to go into computers. Sitting in on that seminar at Talladega College and the guy saying that this was going to be the wave of the future and you were going to be able to make a lot of money. And I said, that's, that's my field. And that's what I did. I, I decided on that and I stuck to it. And so the rest is history. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so what did you major in when you was at UAB? Computer science. I majored in computer science. I minored in criminal justice because, you know, as I said a moment ago, I thought about becoming a lawyer. And sometimes I regret that I didn't become a lawyer because I see all the injustices around me locally, nationally, and it just, and it really gets under my skin when, you know, you see all these things going on and you, you kind of feel helpless because you can't do anything. But I just, just decided to stay with computer science and I did. And, uh, I uh, started schools and I attended, uh, UAB started in 1980. And I graduated in 1984, June the 3rd, 1984, with my BS degree in computer science and a minor in criminal justice. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so you're working at a, a bank right now, right? In technology? Yeah. Technology? I, <laughs> I work for, this. strange as you said, that I work for BBVA Compass. And as of Monday, we found that we are going to be acquired by PNC Bank. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I have been there since. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you, you said acquiring. So does that mean, is it merger or is it buying? Are they like buying y'all? Nah, they, they bought, uh, PNC bought, uh, it was in the newspaper. They bought uh, BBVA for $11.6 billion in cash. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you did tell me about a game that you invented. What is this game? The name of the game is called, it's a board game called Bump It Board Game. And me being a faith person, a person who believes, believes in Christ, um, one day I was sitting in my office and uh, reading my Bible at the time doing my Bible study. and. I just openly asked God, I said, listen, God, I said, now you gave me some pretty good intelligence. You made me a smart fellow. And I said, now, why can I not come up with something that can make me a lot of money? <laughs> and all of a sudden, bam, he put something in my mind about a game. And, um, and I said, hmm, I said, okay, this has some, some potential. And so I kind of toyed around in my mind about the game and the rules and so on and so forth. I did that for about two months. I, but in the meantime, I, I got a younger brother who lives here in Birmingham as well named Clayton. And I told him at that time, I said, listen, man, I said, God has given me an idea for a game, but I can't tell you yet because I'm still working out all the particulars about the game, the way it should work and how you should play it and so on and so forth. So after two months of, of hashing over things, writing down things, the rules of how it should be played and so on and so forth, I decided to bring, let him come in on it. And so I uh, 
we made a date for him to come over to my office and uh, we sat down and I instructed him to go on the computer and draw up the board and we printed it off. And at that time, we, we kind of got some uh, pennies and some dry beans. And that's how we started playing the game. And then we started, one thing led from another, we started developing the game. And so I knew a young man by the name of Bart Jones who was a member of my church at that time. So I invited him to come aboard because at the time he was going to school at IT&T for computer-aided drafting and he was also doing some graphic uh, illustration. So I invited him in to do some amount of design work. And so over about seven, eight years, we developed the game in terms of, uh, oh gosh, it went through a lot of change. we did a lot of focus groups. I paid focus groups to play the game, to give me some feedback in terms of what they liked about the game and what they didn't like about the game. And then after we finally um, tied everything down into, you know, into what we thought would be the best way the game should be, I started contacting various companies, companies within the United States, companies in Hong Kong, in China, Germany, but I ended up with a company out of Payrump, Nevada, a company called Board Game Design that finally uh, helped me with getting it manufactured. And as of, um, we actually got it manufactured on June the 19th, but then I went live with uh, putting it on Amazon on November 29th. And hmm. So that's, that's kind of just the gist of the story. Okay, okay. And so if somebody want to get it, they can get it on Amazon right now. Yeah, it can go to Amazon. If you type in Bump It Board Game on Amazon, you can find it there. It's listed right now at $34.99. That's the listing price. Okay, okay. Um, and it's a game. It's a game where two to five players can play the game. It has a bingo twist, but it's better than bingo. You're playing with cards and you're playing with dice play you can win on your board or your opponent's board it's a game of strategy uh, because you got to strategize in terms of how you want to win whether you're going to do it on your board or your opponent's board it's a game of chance because you can two ways you can get your bees on your board or your opponent's board is through dice play or card play and it's a game of luck because you know you can you can pull or you can roll and that, that can help you get those bees on your opponent's boards or some of the cards can take some of the bees off of your opponent's board to keep them from winning. Uh, it's a game of fun because it's fun, it's exciting in terms of the different ways that you can win. Mm. Okay, okay. So you're gambling, is it, would you say it's similar to poker or is it it's different, way different? You said boy well, game. It's, Yes, yeah, a board game. Each you have there are five boards, and like I say, two to five people can play the game. And like I said, the object of the game is kind of like bingo. The end result because you got to get five. Each player has uh, thirty uh, beads, play beads, and they each player has a different color of set of thirty beads. So the object of the game is to be the first to get five of your colored bees in one of the winning patterns, just like on a big old board, horizontally, vertically, diagonally. And we got four corners in the center. 
But the thing is, unlike bingo, no one is calling out numbers. You have to roll through dice play and pulling cards, and you can win on your board or your opponent's board. So the idea is you want to be the first to do it, and while you're doing it, sometimes you have to bump your opponent's fees off of your board or their board in order to replace it with yours. You have plays where you can just place these on the board. You have plays if your opponent's about to win, you can clear theirs out. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of twists to the game. There's <laughs> several mm -hmm. different ways things that you can do, but you have to. It's just you have to, you have to decide on the strategy in terms of how you want to play this game and how you want to win. And it's one of these games where you have to pay attention to what your opponents are doing, whether it be on your board or their board, to either to help you to win or to block them or stop them from winning. And uh, right now we just have the physical board game, but I'm also working on the app version of that. And we uh, expect that to be out by the first quarter of next year. Hmm. Okay. Well, I look forward to uh, to the app. <laughs> and I'm definitely well, going to check out. I'm hmm. sorry, the app. Now, the app is really going to be exciting because you're going to be able to play randomly with people from around the world. And it's going to have a, a casino version of the app where you can actually um, play with uh, one quarter and have an opportunity to actually win up to about $2 million off of one quarter, playing against other people from around the world. So that's the exciting thing about the app. And then we're also going <clears> to, <throat> we have the plans to try to. Um, through other companies to get them to sponsor, uh, I guess, different prizes and stuff that you can also win if you don't want to play money play, but you just want to play the game um, and win prizes that are going to be sponsored by, you know, various companies that want to get advertisements. So their way to advertise is to sponsor different gifts and so on, things, different products and values and things like that. That's one, that's another post that we're going to, another angle that we're gonna have with the game as well, with the with the app version of the game. Okay. Um, I'm definitely gonna uh, get that off of Amazon. <laughs> well, we uh, hope you do. <laughs> oh, I forgot to ask you. I know you said you was at the bank. What was your actual like uh, title, or like what do you do at the bank? Are you I am a senior lead computer program analyst. Uh, BVA Compass Bank hired me to be the tax programmer they didn't have a tax programmer well they had one but the tax programmer left and went to another department so they needed somebody to do the taxes for the bank and so what we do we use a vendor package the actual software is written by a company called fidelity and so what i do is each year and this is the critical time of the year for me i get a release in from the uh, software vendor called fidelity I have to get that and upload it to our mainframe computers and test it, get with all the departments and load files, and we do all kind of testing. Then come January, I'm responsible for uh, receiving the information from all the different departments in the bank. Like um, if you have a mortgage account and you pay interest, we, we issue you a 1098 form, and we have to send that, print that form and send it to you and send information to the government. If you have any kind of interest bearing account, like a savings account where you get interest, or you have a checking account that get interest, or you have a CD slash IRA that gets interest, um, what we have to do is we have to issue you a 1099 
what we call INT form. We have to send you that form, and we also send information to the government. We have to transmit files to the government. So I'm kind of responsible for doing all those kind of things in the bank. Any kind of product that we sell to the public where the customer gets any kind of interest, it comes through my system, and I'm responsible for uh, sending that customer at the end of the year a form reflecting the kind of interest that they uh, receive because we also send that information to the um, RIS. And so you have those forms to file whenever you do your taxes. So that's what I primarily do. Now I'm busy from uh, really from the end of October through about April. And then around April, things slow down for me. So when things slow down for me because of my skill set, I have, I have to uh, assist some of the other, uh, my other coworkers with some of their work. So that's what I do. I'm a senior lead computer program analyst. I work on on uh, the tax team. That's what I do. Awesome, awesome. Um, I think you did tell me about uh, what is it called? It's an app that you was messing uh, or dealing with uh, the local project. I think is what it was called. Oh, oh yeah, the local <laughs> project is another. It's another one of my business ventures I got involved with. And the local project, it is a. Um, what we have is a digital network and this digital network is really an all-purpose app It's an all-purpose app and the primary objective is for communicating connecting and aggregating and what i mean by that anybody could use it who wants to communicate any kind of information whether it be to their employees you know if it's a business, you want to communicate advertisement to customers. If it's a school system, you want to communicate with your employees, the, the teachers, with the students. If it's if it's a municipality like Birmingham, if it, it could use this app to be able to communicate with all their employees as well as the uh, the people in the community. If it's an organization, let's say like. Um, United Way or like the Cancer Society, the Heart Society, they are able to be able to communicate with all their supporters and they'll be able to connect with them. They can communicate information. They can connect with them via this app. They can also aggregate all the information in a centralized location. So it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic app. And um, we are we have five phases that we're dealing with right now we're on phase three um and we are at this point trying to raise money so we can finish the other uh two phases of this app because i think once we get that thing done it's really going to take off in terms of uh, what this app will be able to do and what it'll allow other people to do with this app it's an all-purpose app because see a lot of companies especially some of the small businesses they cannot afford to get apps um, done for them because apps, to get an app done is really expensive. And what we try to do, the guy, um, name is George Vogel, the CEO of the company, and I just happened to see this opportunity and decided to invest in it. Once I did a little of betting myself, once I, you know, kind of did my due diligence in terms of looking at what the opportunity is about, because when I first saw the opportunity, it took me about three months, and I went back to it. And I said, oh, "Okay." Uh, and after three months of 
not doing anything when I decided to call to come and talk with the guy to see what it was all about. And so when he told me what it was all about, I said, you know, I'm in the technology anyway. I said, man, this is a great opportunity. And so that's what really brought me aboard to see what these guys had done to see what they were going to do and see what they had for the future. Because I tell you, once we get all five phases done, it's going to be a knockout out in terms of what uh, a person can do with it. And even, even as an individual, you will be able to do stuff with it in terms of communicating with your own groups. It, it will be something comfortable. And what we see, it'll be better than Facebook when we get it all done. So right now we're in a funding phase. We're gonna need about uh, 250 grand to really finish doing what we need to get done to make it, I'm talking about one of the best apps in the country. Okay, okay. <laughs> it sounds great. Um, oh yeah. So you say you're in phase three now? Yeah, we're in phase three. Phase three is, um, we are probably about 50% uh, through phase three. And we have five phases. That's what we have on board now, but I know there'll be more to come once we get through uh, those other two phases. Like, and uh, as I said, we're on phase three now. We are probably about 50% through phase three. Okay. Um, so we can't, uh, so if somebody wants to go to the app, they can't go to it right now? Oh yeah, you know it's it's in uh, Google as well as Android. Look for Connect Local or the Local Project. You'll find it. Connect Local or the Local Project. Is there a web app too? Or is yeah, it just on a web phone? app? No, no, it's on the phone. There's a web app. There's a web. There's a web version of the app as well. Um, it's called the Local Project .com. The Local Project .com. That's a web version of it. Okay. Um, and listen, you know what? There's some great opportunities. If anybody wants to get involved, we're looking for area directors. We're looking for people who want to make a little money. We're looking for people who wants to, you know, if you want to be someone to put out information, you know, about what's going on in your community or in, you know, the city where you live, there are a lot of opportunities where you you know, if you want to be a part-time and make a little money, if you want to be full-time and make a lot of money, because the potential are, are great in terms of the amount of money that you can make. A person really can make anywhere from $3,000 to $250,000 a year if they want to. That's, that's what kind of app it is. And, I, and when I say that, it, it, this is real. This is real, not fake. It is real. You can make that kind of money with this company. Now, is it going to come overnight? No. Is it a get rich, uh, get rich scheme? No, it's not. But there are some true opportunities. If you want to make that kind of money, you can. And like I can say, if people want to know about it, go to the localproject.net on the web. If you go to the localproject.net, you can find out all the information you want to. We have videos on it that tell you about uh, how we got started and what our um, platform is all about. And what kind of opportunities do we have? Okay, awesome. Uh, <clears throat> what do you think about when you hear the word automation and does it scare you at all? No, of course now. <laughs> You're talking to a technical person. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear anything talking about technology, I get excited, man. Automation, you know, here's the thing. 
a lot of people, when they hear automation and they're not technical, it scares them to death. The first thing they think about, I'm going to lose my job. That may be true. Automation takes jobs, but automation also creates jobs. So I love when I hear automation. Um, I think it's a good thing because, you know, I look at it like this. We got to stay abreast of things. If, if we don't stay abreast of things in terms of technology, if we didn't, we wouldn't be where we are now. When you go to your house and flip on a light switch, and that was technology. When you look at the car, a long time ago when Henry uh, Ford was working on that, that horseless buggy, as they call it, everybody told him, then, man, you're wasting your time. What are you going to do with a horseless carrier? Now, look where we are today. There are more cars on the road than horses. I mean, if you look around us, if it had not been for innovative innovation, people would dream. We wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't have the finer things that we have right now. So when I hear automation, I get excited about automation because I know, as I said, yeah, it's going to get rid of jobs, but also it's going to create jobs. We just have to kind of retool ourselves. We have to re-educate ourselves and go and learn these things. I like that answer. <laughs> um, let me. Okay, these two questions I've been asking everybody, right? Um, okay. Elon Musk has said that uh, he, he said we're going to Mars, and I was trying. I've been trying to ask everybody: Do y'all think we're going to make it to Mars in our lifetime? Well, Mr. Young, um, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime, I and mean, I have mixed emotions about trying to go to Mars and all the money that we spent in the in the space program. And I guess, as I said, you have to kind of, you know, you, you have to invest in technology. Some would say it's a waste of, you know, waste of money and time to be trying to go to Mars. But you know, a lot of things, even with trying to go to Mars, we come up with, with, with things that we can use here on Earth. A lot of the, um, technology that they use in trying to create these uh, space vessels to go to these various places. They also help us down here on, on, on Earth with some of this technology. So I don't know if we will make it to Mars and mine or your lifetime. I don't know. But right now, you know, you look around, they do have other little space crafts that have made it encircling Mars right now and some of the other planets. So I don't know. Uh, if, if, if you would have asked this question about six to seven years ago, will we make it to the moon? And somebody back then would probably be saying the same thing I'm saying now. I don't know. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I, you, know we, you know, there are some, there are some really folks with really, really bright minds. It, it, it never amazes me when I read the paper, read some of the science magazines, uh, and look at the things that people have come up with. I mean, I read the uh, MIT, and it is, it is amazing when you look at where technology is now. I mean, take, take, look, look at the PC. Back in 1980, we really didn't have the PC. Look where we are now. We didn't have cell phones. Look where we are now. True, true. <laughs> we, look, look at, look, just look at the TVs. We used to have just black and white television. Didn't have any color television. Then we moved from the black and white television to the color television. We didn't even have remotes. I can remember the remote in my day when I was growing up was me. My dad said, hey, go turn that channel. Go change the channel. 
But look, look, we have remotes now. You know, it's amazing. My wife and I, we were laughing one day because, you know, we could went over to the television and turn over. But we were trying to find a remote to turn this TV on. <laughs> okay, okay. So, you know, um, I don't know, but technology is, I love technology. And uh, I don't think this world would be what it is now without technology. So we just have to, you know, you always going to have resistance to change with some people. And you just have to get beyond that resistance. Okay. Um, have you heard of Neuralink? No, I have not heard of Neuralink, but I know Neuralink has had something to do with the mind connecting with uh, equipment and stuff like that. Now, I go ahead. No, I haven't, but I know I, I know a little bit about it. I, just from the, 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 the word itself, I kind of know what it is. So from my understanding, it's connecting your brain. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, to, from what, because uh, Elon Musk is supposed to be over this particular company, uh, and it's called mm -hmm. Neuralink. And it's talking mm -hmm. about connecting your brain to a phone through a chip. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, does that scare you at all or no? No, it doesn't. You Well, it's just like anything, Mark. Um, you have things that are good and someone can come along and take something meant for good and make it bad so you can't let that outweigh that bad outweigh the good okay <laughs> if, if, if you get where I'm, if you get where i'm coming from just like anything um guns i take guns you know some some people come along and made guns a bad thing um, you can take some other things. You, if you look at some other things from that perspective, you know, the internet. The internet was made for good. But you got a lot of bad stuff that happens on the internet as well. But the good outweighs the bad. So when you think about that, no, I, I think it's really innovative. Um, and I can see where it would happen. It just, it, it, it amazes me with um, the intelligence that God has given us um, to be able to do these things. And like I say, a lot of times when we come up with these things, it's meant for good. And like I say, anything that's meant for good, somebody can come along. It's like, you know, as I mentioned a moment ago about the internet. Now you got bad people who come along, what they do, they go hack the internet, right? But it was meant for good. But you got folks with evil minds, instead of doing something good and positive, they going on the other side. With today, now when you look at today's thing with the internet, they going and and capturing folks' computer system for ransom and so on and so forth. So you, you you always have to look at does the good outweigh the bad? And I think with that, there's more good that can be done with that than bad. I think it's a great, great thing. I do. Okay, okay. Um, actually, let me see. I, I think I kind of agree with that, yeah. Um, when it comes to autonomous cars, I know you heard of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> those How long do you driving cars? Yeah. <laughs> How long do you think before it's commercialized in America? Well, you know, well, here's the thing right now. You know, me being not able to see, you know, I'm looking forward to the day where I can jump in the car. I don't know if it'll ever happen in my lifetime in terms of where, you know, ever you can actually have a road. But you know, in California and as well as I think either West Virginia or Virginia. They have fleets of trucks and stuff right now that are are, are self-driving. 
Now, I think I read where even though they're self-driving, they still have somebody in those vehicles in some of them. But I think, uh, I think I was reading California. I think Uber, Uber was using some of those cars, uh, self-driving cars. I know I they was working on one. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think somewhere, I think it was West Virginia, they had a fleet of trucks that were going to be self-driving now. I don't know if they still get it, you know, if they went through it and got them on the road or not. But yeah, that's just that's just the advancement of technology. Now, here's the thing for me. I wouldn't dare get it in a self-driving car until every car on the road has that technology or is equipped with that technology. And the reason I wouldn't, because uh, for example, you got a couple of cars that are self-driving, but you got other cars that aren't. Well, you may have somebody in there that's intoxicated. They don't have that equipment in their car to stop them. They run over somebody in one of those cars, in a self-driving car. So until every car on the road is equipped with that kind of technology, I wouldn't get in one. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. You know, not being able to see that, if I was able to see, that's a whole different story. Now, because I don't know if you remember, uh, it may have been last year. Uh, it was on the news, that guy was in a Tesla. And he was flying down the highway and, and, and some of the other drivers said, this man is asleep, the guy was asleep. The car was driving itself. The guy had fallen asleep in the car and the car was driving itself down the highway. Where was this located? I don't know, I, if you go, I guarantee if you go out on the internet and pull up a self-driving car on the internet, you'll find the story, it was on, it was on television. This guy was asleep driving down the highway in a Tesla. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, <clears throat> how do you feel about uh, microchips being put inside humans? Uh, I mean, they actually already doing it in Sweden, though. Like, actually, well, using them for money. Using from oh, here's the thing. You know, I read something uh, may have been a few months ago that eventually the United States is going to get with. Get rid of physical money. It's gonna be they going towards eventually everything being digital. So it may not happen in my lifetime, it may not happen in your lifetime, but eventually everything's gonna go to digital. Because you know, it's a lot, it takes a lot of money to mint money, whether it be paper money or you know, uh coin money, but it takes money to mint those. And I think eventually they're gonna go to digital money. And as I said, you know, a moment ago. I don't, I don't think it's really a bad idea, but, you know, people can take anything good and make something bad out of it. So I guess you have to really kind of do, you know, analysis on the ifs and buts in terms of uh, what people and how people can use this for bad. You know, it's just like now with, you know, when you log into a website or something, uh, because of all the hacking, they've gone to a two-step authentication. Uh, to try to, to knock down, try to prevent, try to to curtail some of this hacking that's going on. And I don't know if you're familiar with two-step authentication. And usually with two-step authentication, you usually sign on with, you know, a username and a, a, a password. But that second step, they will text to you, to your uh, mobile phone, a code. And in order for you to, you know, to break into somebody's account or to get in your account, you're going to have to have that cell phone to type in the code that's sent to your mobile phone. So see, that's going to, that two-step authentication will stop down a lot of this hacking because 
in the past, a lot of the hacking was done through automation. They would have these programs that would go and pull up stuff uh, uh, through the servers, and it would just randomly just generate uh, passwords and uh, usernames until it got the right combination to break to get into it. But see, that won't work now. Because even with now, before they got into two-step authentication, when you used to go sign on to some of the computers, you would have to, they would display, you know, uh, certain graphics that you would have to go click on or type in. Uh, and they did that to, to try to prevent some of the hacking that's going on now. And so that two-step really is helping with, with the hacking issue that we got going on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. I've heard of. Well, I've actually used. I use it on most of my accounts. So yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes um, it more secure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about? Okay. When we say autom um autonomous cars, right? Earlier, does mm -hmm. it scare you that it could possibly hack also? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you see. I, I'm. I'm. You know. Since I'm in technology. A lot of things don't scare me, and I said that to say this. You have a lot of people now that will not do any kind of buying over the internet because they're afraid somebody might steal their identity. Well, you know, I've been in technology for, for so long, it, that, that doesn't even come to my mind when it comes to, you know, buying stuff and doing stuff over the internet. So the same thing with, you know, talking about autonomous cars. Yeah. You know, just like with the hackers taking over hospitals and taking over cities, you know, and, 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 and holding them for ransom. I guess the same thing could be done, but how often can it be done? It's a possibility. But should we should we be that fearful of, of things like that so we don't advance in technology? No, I don't think so. You know, my thing is, I always say this. What one man does, another man can un come and undo. You know, so we just have to do our due diligence when we put these things together. It's a, it's a learning process in terms of trying to bet and do your risk, what we call risk management. Anytime you put something together, you know, even even if you got access to a building, and when you're doing software, you have to look at the risk management in terms of how can we cut down on fraud? How can we cut down on um, letting illegal folks get access to stuff? So it's the same thing with that. You're gonna have somebody that eventually come along and do something, and you know. But at the same time, it's just like doing an update on something. We just have to deal with it, you know, when it happens. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's all I got for you today. <laughs> so. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure talking with you, young man. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the outlet. Um. I enjoyed it. Maybe we'll uh, have you uh, next time, you know. I, I hope you will invite me back once, uh, sometimes in uh, the first quarter next year when I actually get my app and go live. I hope you'll have me come back so I can tell you about it. And hopefully you'll, you'll be able to have gotten the game by then. You can really uh, talk on how good it is and, and what it takes <laughs> hey, to be a champion. <laughs> How soon you think we uh before we see it in the casinos? <laughs> in the casinos, I don't just listen. Uh, now here's my plan. I always I have plans for a casino play. I even have plans for a television uh, game show. I got plans for that too. I'm still working on that, but I got plans with trying to even 
introduce it and see if I can get it as a game show. So we'll see what goes on in the future. But right now, I'm dealing with trying to get the physical board game out everywhere, all over the United States. Because right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm concentrating in the United States right now with the actual physical board game. But when I get the app, I want it to be worldwide. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Um, well, I will see you next time, sir. All right, sir. You take care. And thank you, you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>